0: Welcome to Adaptify. I'm Mike. I'm a paraplegic from New Zealand, and it's my mission to find the Adaptifiers of the world people who have overcome challenges and found new, creative, interesting ways to be free despite needing to use a wheelchair for their mobility. Today's Adaptifier is Daryl Tate, and he has achieved so much with his life since breaking his back many years ago. We're going to talk wheelchair backflips, overcoming depression, X Games, wheelchair tips, getting into the backcountry again. Hey there, Daryl. So glad to have you here. Welcome to the show. Can you first off tell us a little bit about how you ended up spending your life with a wheelchair? Basically, I I sustained an injury.
1: And uh, before that, I had an older brother. I was about 10 years older than me. And uh, who was into like skateboarding, snowboarding, and his friends were into dirt biking and snowmobiling. And, and these are guys that I, I really looked up to and being the little brother, I always thrived to be just like them or try to be better than them. And uh, eventually growing up and getting into my teen years, I started using these sports as a bit of a coping device as far as like having an outlet to just go to like a positive outlet, not reaching out to drugs or alcohol or anything, but being productive and learning new tricks and just having an escape from reality. And uh, after leaving high school and everything, I got a job and, and it was working in a mine and it was shift work and I realized how much I miss my sports and I was making good money enough money that I could just kind of take a pause and stop working and try to pursue a career in a sport. And the opportunity of becoming a freestyle snowmobiler came around because I've, I've ridden a snow machine since I was like four years old, and I've raced them all through my teen years, and I moved to the mountains, and uh, there was a, a professional snowmobiler who was sponsored by Red Bull, Oakley, and all these big-name companies, and uh, they, uh, his name's Ross Mercer, and he kind of took me under his wing and showed me how to hit a freestyle ramp and I hit it and he started doing tricks. Yeah. The next thing I know, he's just like, man, have you ever thought about doing this as a profession, like as a career? And I was just like, man, this is what I'm trying to do. I want to be a pro athlete. And yeah, if you think so, then yeah, let's do this. So I started following Mm -hmm. him around, doing shows and progressing with him, meeting more athletes, more people in the industry. I was getting more recognized. And then the next thing uh, somebody mentioned to me was like, have you ever thought of competing at X Games? And I was just like, man, that's like been my childhood dream. I would love to go do that. And uh, so then I, yeah, I started thriving for that and had a show in the Eastern States in Fremont, New Hampshire, where there's this event going on where a ton of people were going to be showing up with uh, basically their companies and businesses and sponsorship opportunities to try to showcase my skills and, and get them on board to take me to X Games because I got the invite. So I showed up this weekend and told myself, you know, if everything went well and I was confident I would pull for a flip. And at that point, I've landed a a few flips under my belt and uh, never crashed one of them. And uh, so it was the last day, the last show. And the only thing I haven't done was a flip. And so I was like, okay, man, I guess it's now or never. So I came into a ramp and got a little bit anxious on the throttle and hit it a little bit early, went, hit, pulled leaned back. Everything was going perfectly. I just knew that I was going a little bit long on the transition. And then suddenly my snow machine just quit and sputtered and stopped and died on me. And uh, from there, the rotation stopped. And the first thing that went through my head was basically either I could jump off or hold on. And when I thought about jumping off, I thought I'd like break all the limbs in my body if because I, I was overshooting the landing. And and so I just held on, committed, pulled around. And the next thing I know, it was just like the snow machine just slammed on top of me like a mousetrap and then severed me at my T4-5 spine. And then, uh, then yeah, then after that, I was just relearning how to live my life and get through and get back to the sports that I was loved and passionate about.
0: Hey, so tell me just to set the scene here how how high in the air were you when you when you fell just give us give us a, a sense of that
1: uh yeah it was like a 65 70 foot gap is kind of the standard freestyle kicker distance and uh, the snow machine is probably around just just under 500 pounds or so and uh, I, I can't say how high I was whether I was like 35 feet up or 40 or kind of wow in that range is it's a good good distance to the ground and uh so yeah i got pancaked into ground and it collapsed both my lungs and severed my spine and crushed my heart crushed my shoulder blade and just basically all everything in my chest just got compressed and pancaked into the ground and uh there's videos of it on youtube of the crash because there's a lot of people watching so there's all these different angles and i definitely watched it early in my injury over and over and over again man I think it's fair to say you're lucky to be alive there Daryl yeah yeah no definitely like we when I got to Boston they medevaced me to Boston and um, there was five doctors that attended me on site and three of them said my percentage rate of living too far gone and that they could save other patients instead of dealing with me and uh, it was, there was this one doctor that uh, took me on and said no I think he's got a chance and uh the doctor next to him said, "Well, if you're going to take him on, I'll take him on too." So his name was Lorenzo, and uh, yeah, if it wasn't for Lorenzo, I wouldn't be here today. So feel very fortunate.
0: Nice, mate. Well, it's good to have you here. Hey, tell us. You know, were you ever in a place where you were more focused on what you what you couldn't do than what you could? The, um, you know, there's a number of people out there that say if you've got a positive attitude before your injury or accident then you know you you usually carry that through but you know some dark times after that Did you ever find yourself you know just thinking this man my life's just going to be over
1: yeah there's there's definitely gone through some several different stages of uh you know depression and even to the to the point of potential suicide like i have had one suicide attempt and uh fortunately you know um still here and still kicking and still thriving and it was just a very deep low point in my life and realized that I needed uh, needed some professional help so seeing a psychiatrist and uh, life coach and stuff like that to try to get my mental state back on track and um, but uh, yeah the saving grace is my sports and that's what keeps me sane and uh, it may be adapted or different, but it's, it's a challenge. And I think that's what the challenge I enjoy that makes me thrive is that not, not everyone gets the opportunity to try to do this. So you're kind of, kind of paving the path for other people or following other ones that, you know, you've been inspired by and look up to. And it's this pretty amazing community that you can be involved with and within the sport and, you know, with social media and the way everything's functioning in the world, we get to see what everyone's doing which is, you know, very beneficial, but it, it could be discouraging at some times too, depending that's where social media is like a love hate game. It's uh you see everyone's highlights and mm. you just don't think you can keep competing against everyone else. But really it's like, we all have our low points, but nobody showcases that on, on uh social media. So yeah, we definitely, it's a different world. Yeah. It's worth keeping it real, mate. I reckon.
0: Yeah. Um, I know when I, you know, I, I didn't hide, so I started a blog when I when I had my injury, and I I would write about the highs and the lows, you know, and it was it was to keep my family and friends in, in the loop and let them know how I was going. But it was really good for me to just let that out, and I, that's some advice I give people is like just let your emotions out. If you feel like crying, just cry, you know. If you if you're feeling angry, go go and punch some punching bags or or like you know jump on your hand cycle and burn that burn that out. Just get that out of your system.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, it's good to have a way to vent it some way and not not mask it and and uh that's that's what i was doing for the longest time was just putting a face on it and just going out in the community having a smile telling everyone that everything's great and uh just totally masking it just just to make them feel good or whatever and just that i would go and basically punch my pillow and just be so discouraged at night and and uh face my demons then
0: Hey, so if you could pinpoint something, what was the hardest thing that you had to overcome in this journey today?
1: Um, Well, early in my injury, it was just basically I didn't have any adaptive sporting or anything. So it was like just trying to find an outlet on a daily basis on how to just let my energy out. And when I didn't have the finances or the support at that time to get back into the sports right away or trying to find the right equipment, that was really frustrating. And, um, but now that I have those things, like, I'm at a new point in my life where it's like, okay, I have these things. But now the bigger picture of life comes in, like, how do I sustain uh, a career, like a stable career? And how can I create a fam- family and, you know, produce the next generation and and kind of that? So mm. it's, it's come a long ways because I'm about, that was, my accident was October 11th, 2009. So, mm. yeah, I'm coming up to uh, my nine-year anniversary here in October, so... It's I'm definitely definitely getting into it, and it's what's crazy to me is seeing like a, say like a nine year old child and how much they've developed in their life and stuff, and it's like wow you've learned so much and come so far, and, and I try to envision that in my head, and I'm just like man I've been what have I been doing the last nine years like geez I need to progress in something so so I did go back to school I, I took welding and uh, in hopes to start building adaptive equipment. Um, but just, I couldn't continue my education. Um, I tried to get employed under business years to finish my apprenticeship, but, uh, they, their perception of a person with a disability in that workplace, they said I was a liability and that their insurance wouldn't cover me. And I got all these excuses why people wouldn't want to hire me. So I was very Mm -hmm. discouraged, got my own welding equipment and thought I could do it that way, but it has to be under a journeyman and, under a business and i couldn't carry on so now i'm back in school upgrading all my high school stuff in hopes to get into uh medical imaging so i could do like x-ray or ct and that's kind of the movement that i'm going on right now
0: oh that's fantastic man awesome well uh yeah wish you all the best with that i'm sure you'll you'll smash it you'll get uh, you'll get through it you'll make an awesome technician that's that's so good to hear yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so t- tell us. I see a whole whole range of uh, images online of you doing all number of adaptive sports. What was the first one you uh, you turned your hand at? Uh,
1: the one that I that I went to right away. Um, my brother, who was uh, he actually came to me in the hospital with a video of uh, Aaron Wheels, Fotheringham, um, showed me him backflipping his wheelchair and ripping skate parks and stuff. And I had a skateboard background, VmX background, and and uh, i was just like man like okay i can still do it something i can do so i i was actually still in rehab when he showed me this video and so my physiotherapist came to me and was like hey daryl like all right well it's friday and we'll do this and what are your plans for the weekend i'm like oh i'm gonna go to the skate park she's like oh yeah your friends are in town you're just gonna go watch them i'm like no i'm gonna go in she's like oh yeah sure okay well whatever like (laughs) have fun and um then she came to me freaking out on Monday morning because I, I went to the skate park with my friends. I did fall out of my wheelchair and I did hit my knees pretty hard. And so we we had to file an incident report that Daryl fell out of his wheelchair and all this stuff. And so when I got back to the rehab and she, this was the first thing that she saw on her desk and she just was livid at me. And I was like, what? I told you I'm going to go in the skate park. And she's like, I didn't think you were serious. And so... That was, that was kind of the first thing, was doing a WCMX is what we call it now. And so I would leave the hospital at night and go rip around the children's hospital, learning how to drop stairs and hop curbs and trying to spin on one wheel and do all these tricks and just just to have that escape and that outlet. And so that was the first sport that I got into. And uh, then coming home, I, I really the backflip with my machines so I really wanted to flip my wheelchair and so <laughs> I ended up uh, being the first spinal cord injury to backflip a wheelchair and uh, the second person after Aaron to flip a chair so I was I was pretty stoked on that
0: well I didn't realize that man that's uh, that's <laughs> that's ballsy to say the least mate and <laughs> um, you know I, I guess you know learning how to, to skate skate balls and skate ramps in a wheelchair man that must have just given you an amazing amount of confidence in your everyday chair to be able to go and you know just be efficient on that chair around urban environments yeah. um yeah. you know so
1: yeah that, yeah that no that's awesome. totally, it's totally you... it's totally true like it's like we we deal with like being in a chair we really recognize the inaccessibility issues in an urban environment and those skills that you can develop in the skate park and then you take into the real world are so crucial. And that's that's what I really enjoy about um the events that we do with WCMX. We've we we host competitions, but before we do competitions, we do like a clinic. And so we teach people how to navigate the skate park in a chair, and they they can take these skills into their everyday life, and then suddenly, you know, this curb or these stairs or this steep ramp, you know, learning how to push up it, switchbacks, whatever, grab the hand railing, pull yourself up. All these different tools that you can learn in the skate park, you know, can overcome. And uh, so eventually at some point we hope, you know, the world and society that we live in will become more and more accessible. And I know that's the movement that Canada is trying to do right now with the Rick Hansen Foundation. And uh, But right now there's there's not a quick fix for it. So... I think it comes down to the skill development in your chair it's
0: It's what you can do. Hey, so I've also seen photos of you uh, like in these beautiful landscapes, uh, obviously in the northern territories there uh, and you've you've got a quad bike that you've modified or or maybe you haven't modified it. Can you just talk to to the listeners about how how that's been for you and access and and how it makes you feel. And any specific uh, details about the, the type of uh, rig that you have that's enabled you to do that? Yeah, so in the country that I live in, in the Yukon Territory, you know, we
1: have access to all kinds of wilderness. And that's so why I love, love it up here so much. And, but being in a chair, I'm very limited to getting to these places. So having like an adapted mountain bike so I can pedal out into the woods or if I want to go really far, I have a quad that I can use, and there's one that I borrow. That's just a straight automatic, and with the handbrakes on the hand on the handlebars. Or the one that I have, mm-hmm. the quad was actually given to me. It's a little Honda 250, and uh, it's got a manual shift. And so, I, what I took was a, a golf club handle, and um, took a, a like basically I uh, I don't know, just like a hose clamp. And put it to the shifter so I could shift the gears with my hands. And then there was a front brake that I could use. So so I used that to get up into the mountains and see some scenic country. And, and uh, I'm fortunate that uh, my dad is in aviation. And when I had my accident, he decided to go get his helicopter license. And uh, now he flies helicopters. So I'm able to get up with him a few times. And we'll go hang out in the glacier field or something and uh, just be totally humbled by the environment and realize that, you know, all those things that you worry about and you struggle and whatever, once you're put in that environment, it all just disappears. And there's a bigger picture out there and it just really grounds you and pulls you back into what's, what life really should mean for you.
0: So what I'm hearing from you and I understand this well is that when you get out into wilderness and to to places that, I guess in some ways make you feel small. You realize that the things that you're complaining about in your life just can just come into context and can just disappear, and and you can realize that well, actually, there's a heap of beauty out here that uh, that's worth appreciating. Yeah, and um, you know, so that's my, that's that's fantastic. New Zealand's a lot like that too, with the uh, the environment we have, and uh, yeah, yeah. I'm lucky
1: to be. Able to- I've managed to get to New Zealand when I was a kid. I was training in. Uh, in snow park new zealand by wanaka for, mm, for snowboarding, awesome. and uh yeah no, know new zealand just it felt just like home here like the environments you can get yourself in only just a couple hour drive away and they're all so different from being on
0: the coast to the mountains and grassy hills like it's and then the people are amazing too nice mate well, thank you we well, hope to see you here again and uh as, as i hope to to come and visit in canada at some point Hey, so tell me, can you describe some sort of breakthrough you had, something that you learned that you think would be helpful to others? Is there anything that springs to mind? Yeah, the first thing that comes to mind is just,
1: you know, teaching wheelchair skill development. And, uh, you know, I, I like to put on courses like WCMX courses and I and, uh, try to advertise it as wheelchair skill development because uh, I think that could benefit everyone and everybody has a chair and so well not everyone has a chair but everyone that's using a chair has a chair so you know just Mm. progressing that and because not everyone can afford um you know some kind of adaptive equipment it's you know to personally buy it's ridiculous everything like at least canadian it's like ten thousand dollars and uh unless you get funding or a grant or something to pay for it like ideally you won't really get it and uh, so it is It is challenging, but, you know, we can make our lives a little bit easier by just a few basic skills. And, uh, yeah, that's something that I feel like that would be beneficial, really.
0: So what are some key skills that, that stand out in your mind? Like if you could describe three, three key wheelchair skills, what would they be?
1: Uh, definitely wheelie is your first basic skill because you use it everywhere going Either if you're dropping off a curb or you're wheeling across a gravel parking lot with some big rocks or whatever or avoiding big cracks on curb cuts and stuff like that. So wheelies are your first major skill. And, um, you know, another, another crucial one is, you know, to gain your independence is if you ever fall out of your chair, like how, how are you able to get back in? So learning how to pick yourself up, whether you're strapped in the chair or if you're not strapped and you fell out. And, and then um, the next would be learning how to navigate uh, steep, steep inclines. So if you can't push straight up it, what are other methods and tools around you to use to be able to get yourself up this steep incline. So whether you're doing switchbacks or pulling yourself on a handrail or potentially some people even go backwards. And we're uh, in a wheelie backwards, so they use their momentum and weight into
0: the hillside and, yeah, all kinds of tricks. Well, oh, man. So uh, the snowmobile, this the sled, have you been back on?
1: Uh, yeah, actually. So we re-modified my snow machine and we designed it with, uh, I put a go-kart bucket seat on a suspension frame that articulates left and right, so I'm able to shift my l- weight left and right into the corners and jump. And I uh, used snowboard bindings on the running boards to hold my feet in and ratchet straps on my waist, on the bucket seat to hold my hips down. And um, so eventually I, I got back racing and and uh, actually went to X Games uh, three years after my injury to compete in the Adapted Snowcross. And so racing against other people with paralysis and amputations. And, and uh, so, yeah, I felt it was it was a crazy feeling going and being a part of that thing i set my like childhood dream on and just you know doing it in a different <laughs> different way and cuz i always thought about like okay well maybe maybe if i did land that flip that day you know maybe i wouldn't have got the sponsors or enough sponsors to get me to x games and maybe this was the path that i had to go to fulfill that that goal and that dream of mine and uh it's just a crazy way of thinking about it but yeah so
0: once you achieved
1: that, did you feel like you had some closure? Uh definitely. Yeah, but then I also I, I found myself kind of stuck in a bit of a depression after that that I, I didn't see coming was that okay, I had this huge goal I set for myself. I finally accomplished it. And I'm so young, now what do I do? So then I was like that whole reevaluation thing. I was so focused on one thing that I didn't wasn't even thinking about anything else. So
0: so how did you yeah? So how did you get through that? I mean, you said you had some uh, some some professional help, which is which is which is awesome. I suppose that was the first step. But like, actually, just taking that first step kind of hard to do. And and I, and I guess you, you know, yeah. How did you how did you take that first step? Um, well, I realized, you know, like so going through all these dark phases
1: in my life and. Uh, I live in an environment where I'm way up north, and there's not a whole lot of people with disabilities up here, and so there's no one I could really reach out to or talk to unless it was through social media. And so, you know, I would turn to family and friends for help and advice, but they'd all always kind of just shrug their shoulders and be like, well, I don't know, man. Like, I wish I could help you, but I just don't I don't know how to help you through this. And they, they want to, but you could just see the weight of everything I was going through. They were caring also, and I felt that was not fair to them so then i never put anything on them and i took it on myself and so yeah. then i i basically just held it in my own and and uh then it it was to such a unhealthy state where it, had, it led to an attempt on suicide and then when coming out of that i realized like okay this i can't do this on my own i need to seek help and uh you know i can see why people are against you know, not going and seeing a psychiatrist because they they think they don't need them or why do they need some person telling them what to do? And, uh, that's, it's not really the case. It's, it's really, you can just go and let everything that's in your head out and have them be able to reflect those things back on you. So you can almost hear yourself and, Mm. um, and realize what you're saying is just like, kind (laughs) of a bit nuts and, and, uh, so it gives a good perspective and kind of puts you where you need to be and it. and it's a place to let it out. and it doesn't. They're professional. This is what they're paid to do, and it's not weighing on your friends and family so then now that you're getting this this energy out, you know you feel better and you can keep staying on that positive path with your family and friends and
0: moving forward to to whatever you set yourself on what you want to do. It's oh, brilliant advice, man. you You summed that up so very well is there anybody that really stood out for you as a, as a, as a mentor, as an adaptive uh, mentor?
1: Uh, yeah. So definitely probably the first one for me was Christian Otter Bailey. Uh, he's a pro parasurfer, and he was in w- WCMX and, you know, he, I could turn to him at any point um, early in my injury and ask him like how he did things and, and how he got into it or finding funding or, or whatever. And, and then further once i was getting back on my snow machine uh uh, i met doug henry who was a ex motocross racer and and got into racing adapted snowmobiles and he actually had his rig set up and that's where i got the inspiration to modify my sled was through him and uh and in that sport there's mike schultz who's an amputee and there was, there was a lot of, lot of mentors and people I looked up to. So when I was finally at, at X Games and able to ride with some of my heroes that I looked up to early in my injury, it was just it was a pretty humbling experience to be at their side and going through it.
0: That's so good. Hey, so is there anything that frustrates you today? And um, any ideas on how you might solve that?
1: Well, being back in school and, okay. and in that environment, and uh, it's definitely a lot of education on accessibility and uh, so I did work actually at the Rick Hansen Foundation down in Vancouver, uh, Canada, down there. And so they, they, if you don't know who they are, basically it's Rick Hansen was a man who wheeled around the world, bringing awareness to um, people with disabilities and accessibility. And, and uh, yeah, I think he did that tour in the early 80s. And, uh, incredible man. He's now a close family friend of ours, but he started a foundation and so he's trying to make the world more inclusive. And, uh, mm-hmm. so yeah, definitely, you know, we all can make things a little bit better, a little easier. And, but it's not just for wheelchair users. It's for visual impairments, hearing impairments, people with learning disabilities. Like it's like, there's so much to be included. And, uh, so being back in school, it's definitely like educating people on the environment and, and, uh, we deal with a lot of snow, so making sure the parking lots are clear and that the accessible spots are clear for these reasons. But, you know, those are, those are frustrating things. And probably the next, the next thing, once I get through my education, I hope I don't run into this problem again is employment and, you know, finding a way to get employed and not having a chair be an obstacle. So yeah, those are on mm-hmm. the,
0: the bigger scheme things. So in the, in the in the snowy winter, I mean how do you how do you get around I mean, presumably you your truck or your cars in, in a garage and that's fine. but like do you have any uh, any sort of adaptive tricks um, to getting around in the snow?
1: Uh, yeah, so I actually have like a bit of a winter chair. I, I use my summer WCMX chair for the skate parks and just for daily use in the summer and then in the winter I have another frame that's got big knobby mountain bike tires and like four inch front casters um to get around the snow a lot easier and definitely wearing gloves so that my hands don't burn on the push rims and because uh, we do get up to like minus 40 celsius out here or colder with the wind chill. and uh yeah, like. <laughs> so yeah when you take a deep breath it definitely definitely burns the lungs a little but um you know, at least at least then when the snow is that cold and dense, it's really compact. So it's almost as easy as getting around on a sidewalk sometimes. But with a fresh snowfall, then you're kind of battling a bit. And uh, so one of the things I used to help get me around were uh, uh, they're called snow blades. So they're these little skis that can clip onto your front casters. They're just a quick clip on and off. And uh, so if the snow is really bad, you can use that and the, the basically your front caster turns into a ski to help push it out of the way and then you got your big knobby tires to get get you through and uh yeah that's kind of what
0: i use to get me around up up here in the winters yeah that sounds really good actually i have a set of those blades as well although i don't get to use them that often uh, they're good to have that's for sure
1: yeah they um, they
0: were the business helped
1: helped me out and they 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 saw a video of me one of my wcmx videos and i made my own pair out of gt skis and Mm. uh, so the company was actually like oh we'll send you a set and see what you can do with them and see if you can do any tricks in your chair so i i took them to the ski hill and i didn't own a sit ski then so i was bombing down the ski hill with these snow blades and the first thing i wanted to do was go to the snowboard park and so of course i went hit a rail in my chair in the snowboard park and the next thing was a kicker i jumped it off the kicker and what i didn't think about was these your casters are independent with these skis so what happened to the the skis is they turned 90 degrees in the air so when i landed it was like grabbing the front brakes and i like busted them (laughs) and got ripped out of my chair and broke my lap belt and just cartwheeled down the hill (laughs) and uh, (laughs) i was like i emailed them back i'm like hi sorry i didn't get i got a Quick video, but uh, I broke the skis. So I'm they were going to send me a new pair, but then I think they just got frustrated and didn't bother with me. So I had to wire stitch my the ones that I have now back together. So they're a little bit Frankenstein like, but they still they still work. And uh, I definitely I don't go flying down ski hills with them anymore, though. <laughs>
0: Um and so just just I mean give me some context Whitehorse how many people live in Whitehorse
1: Um what is it 25,000 And and are there other wheelchair users in Whitehorse There's a couple of manual chair users um mostly in the summertime they winters they tend to leave and go down south Um hmm. we do have like a good population of like power chair users but um that's that's from quadriplegics to just aging population and elderly, and mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, probably a higher power chair use than manual chair. And um, yeah, we do have a gal up here. She's a uh, uh, she's was born with one leg, and she's a 19-time Paralympic medalist, uh, Stephanie Dixon, and so she's been a huge advocate and inspiration around here and uh so she she's become a good good uh, friend of ours and uh yeah it's it's been fun hanging out with her because she's just as avid of an athlete and wants to take on any challenge and sees no limitations
0: so it's i'm always trying to chase her down Ah, <laughs> oh, that's so good man there's inspiration all around eh? so look uh have you got any other any other life hacks any other any other life hacks to share share with our listeners before we uh, before we sign off no, basically the biggest life hack is if you get an injury, you know, you get to the front of the lines
1: at customs and through airports and stuff. And, uh, yeah, it works, <laughs> works pretty sweet. Yeah. Be late awesome for a flight.
0: <laughs> I love that, man. You turn the turn the, uh, you know, turn something into a positive, eh? Yeah, so good. exactly. Best parking in town. Definitely. hundred percent. Hey, well, uh, hey, thanks so much, Daryl, for chatting. Yeah, thank and you, Mike. Where can um, where can people learn a bit more about you, um, aside from just searching your name and coming up with an incredible array of uh, adventure sports, adaptive sports?
1: Um, uh, yeah, and- like you, my Instagram is just uh, D underscore rail, and then my Facebook is Daryl Keith Tate. And, uh, yeah, if you just Google Daryl Tate, I'm sure – articles and whatever of things I've done will come up and uh, around like last year was a few articles on uh, world championship uh, adaptive surf competition and um, bobsledding and all different kinds of sporting so definitely free to contact me on those platforms and uh, yeah I always want to reach out and be able to help people out especially newly injured that are struggling and Trying to find their way because it was—it's—it's uh, it's not an easy journey. But we're all—we're a great community, and we all are trying to help each other out and make the best quality
0: of life we can. Awesome, mate. Well, hey, thanks so much. Uh, really appreciate your time, and uh, look forward to continuing to uh, to see what the future holds. Good luck with your schooling, and uh, yeah, hopefully we get to have an adventure at some point down the, down the road.
1: Yeah, I definitely look forward to go hiking somewhere.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Daryl. Yeah, thanks, mate. Take it easy. See ya. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and meeting today's Adaptifier. To learn more about Adaptify and the products we have in development, products that will increase freedom for wheelchair users, go to Adaptify.com. That's A-D-A-P-T-D-E-F-Y.com. We're also on all the major social media platforms at Adaptify. Follow us there for more behind-the-scenes looks and more up-to-date information on product releases. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. Look forward to catching you next time.